right. How we doing? Hope Springs. Good to see you. Good to see you today. I can see some of your comments there. Thank you so much for giving those to us and for being with us today. It's good to good to be with you, even if it's at a distance here, even if it's online. Thank you for being flexible and just continuing to stay connected. Um, we want to just invite you as you're going through this time of maybe quarantine, isolation, whatever you want to call it, that even as we're staying home, that you continue to reach out. Um, this Facebook page is one of the ways that you can do that. You can reach out by uh, commenting, by sharing this video, by um, reaching out to other people that are watching and connecting with them. And we just love, love to have you do that, um, even in this time of social distance. So I um, want to also make you aware of just some things that are still going on at Hope Springs, even while we are kind of worshiping at a distance and connecting at a distance. Um, Opportunities Unlimited serves people with develop with uh, not developmental disabilities, sorry, with um, traumatic brain injuries. And we have partnered with them for many years and we love them and our friends there. And we can't really see them right now. Um, they're not accepting visitors, but they do need help. Um, so we're gonna give some help to the staff over there uh, in the form of some gift cards. And I just wanna invite you also, we got some cleaning supplies to help out uh, with the efforts over there just to keep people safe and healthy. So um, we're going to donate some cleaning supplies, but also want to invite you to donate cleaning supplies as well. They need Lysol, they need Clorox wipes, they need hand sanitizer. Um, if you are a, a crafty person that can make masks, I know there's a lot of tutorials on how to do that. Um, they do need masks there as well. And just want to invite you to get involved in some way. You can drop them off right at the community center. It's 3439 Glen Oaks Boulevard. Um, you might have to ring the doorbell during normal business hours, but we want to just invite you to help them out in whatever ways can even as we do that as a community of faith thank you for continuing to give and serve in that way because that's how we're able to do that um, and so we just want to make you aware of that as well uh, well to get us started today in our time in God's Word I just want to talk about something that I love um, I love when nerds argue and I say that as a nerd uh, so this is a confession pastoral confession video um, I'm a big nerd and I just love nerd arguments and right up there with you know who shot first? Did Hanshu first? Right up there with what is the matrix? Is this argument that rages through the decades um, between nerds of multiple generation? So much so that they had to make a movie about it. Um, but the, the question is this Batman versus Superman. Um, and I know maybe you guys have weighed in on this before, but um, that argument is raging through the ages. And I want to talk about superheroes a little bit today because I think we're all kind of looking for a hero right now. Um, with this argument of Batman versus Superman, you've got the classic, you know, Superman's an alien. He's got all this power. He's got all these things that he can do. Um, and they're like supernatural almost, the things that he can do. And then Batman is, you know, his only superpower, if he has one, is just being super, super rich, uh, which maybe that is a superpower. But this argument rages over like there's Superman people that don't even think that Batman's a superhero at all um, because he just has a bunch of gadgets. Um, and there are people that just think that um, Batman is the best because he's the most creative and um, uses just what he has to um, to save the world, or at least Gotham City. Um, well, you all probably know where I weigh in on this. I'm Team Batman all the way. Um, but this argument about superheroes and about what does it mean to be a superhero? Uh, there is this superhero in the scriptures. Uh, he's called the Messiah. And through the generations and through the ages, uh, there is this argument over what he's going to be. What is the Messiah going to be? What is the Messiah going to do? And the Messiah is this Bible word, this million-dollar Bible word that basically means the hero. What's the hero going to do? How's the hero going to save? Is the hero coming? 
So these questions really, they have plagued us in all times and in all places throughout millennia as humanity has wrestled with needing a hero. Right now we all need a hero. And I think that we're all connected with that in ways that uh, maybe are new for us, maybe are more vivid than they've ever been. So we're gonna pray and we're gonna jump into God's word and we're gonna see, meet up with our hero and, and find him in his own kind of fortress of solitude today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? Just take a breath. I know we're at a distance, but we do this thing at Hope Springs where we like to breathe. We like to feel our breath. Maybe this is the first time this week that you've been able to stop and really take a breath. So do that. And as you're doing that, I just want to ask you a question. What kind of hero do you need today? What's the hero? Who, who is the hero that you're looking for? Is it a hero with supernatural abilities? A hero who you can relate to? Maybe just take a moment and reflect on your need, your personal need for a hero. Father, our whole lives we've been looking for a hero. We know we need one. We know we're in desperate need and right now we feel that in a way that maybe we never have. Right now our need is really on the forefront. It's right in front of us. We can feel that. Some of us are scared. Some of us are not sure about what the future holds. And all of us are in desperate need of a Messiah, a hero, a sent one to sort it all out to sit with us as we wrestle with you and with others. So Father, I pray that your word would speak, that your spirit would breathe and would do the thing that it does where it opens up hearts and minds. God, communicate to us truth from your word today and bind us together even as we're separated. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we are gonna be in Matthew chapter 26. I'd invite you to turn there if you've got a paper Bible or another screen that you're tuning in on. Uh, we'd love to have you follow along with us. We're gonna be picking up in verse 36. And today we are gonna look at a passage in the scriptures where we can relate to what Jesus is thinking and feeling. We can actually relate to all the things that he's going through um, in this particular passage. And actually he can, is, is relating to us in this text. Not only are we relating to Jesus, but he's relating to us. He's relating to what we are thinking and feeling, what we're going through right now. We're told in the scriptures that Jesus faced everything that we faced in the human condition. Every temptation, every kind of struggle, all of it. That he faced it all. And that he shows us what life looks like in the midst of that. That even as he is going through struggle, temptation, trial, suffering, that he shows us what a healthy, whole, complete life with God and people looks like. So we're gonna open up to Matthew 26, and we're gonna pick up with Jesus in his own fortress of solitude. It says this in verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. This is Jesus last night. You may have heard Easter is coming. 
Um, but before Easter, we have Jesus' last night. We have Jesus' suffering and his death. And this is Jesus' hour of need. And Jesus had hours of need. A couple things. Jesus knows that he is headed for his death. He has told them what is going to happen. He's told his disciples that his death is coming, that his suffering is coming. He knows what is coming. And Jesus is in great need in our text. Maybe that's news. If Jesus didn't have need, if Jesus didn't have doubts, if Jesus didn't wrestle with despair, could he have been human like we are? Could he have known the struggle that you're going through and that I'm going through if he didn't feel what we felt? Maybe what we're feeling right now. In verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. He leaves his friends and he takes his best friends with him on a little further. They are closer to him, Peter and James and John. But Peter, on this night, he has told Jesus. He said to Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never deny you. I will never disown you, even if I have to die with you. So it tells you where Peter's head is at on this night. It tells you what Peter has told Jesus about what he's willing to do. But here we find Jesus sorrowful and troubled. This isn't troubled like we would normally think of it. Like you're troubled when something inconvenient happens. Like when the internet isn't working. Or when you can't find a parking spot. The word troubled means deeply, profoundly disturbed. Jesus is troubled, anxious, deeply, deeply afraid. And now normally this text is not preached this way because it's terrifying. It's terrifying because if Jesus isn't a superhero who never feels what we feel, he's like us. Maybe Jesus is like us. Maybe Jesus feels what we feel. And maybe this isn't scary, my friends, but maybe this is good news. Are you feeling sorrowful and troubled? I think we can all at least relate to troubled, can't we? Some people are comforting themselves by running away right now from information. I think a lot of us think if we just kind of cover our ears and look away, maybe we can avoid the trouble. But sorrow and trouble are no, no strangers to Jesus. He's in the garden. He's by himself almost, and he's feeling sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, if you thought I was overhyping how Jesus was feeling, please listen to Matthew. Jesus isn't inconvenienced. He is not annoyed. He's not a little worried. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Matthew could not be any more vivid or any more clear that Jesus is in it. He's feeling the sorrow and he's feeling the trouble. For thousands of years, well-meaning folks have tried to explain away Jesus' feelings in the garden, like we do with ourselves, like we do with each other. Are you overwhelmed? Because Jesus is overwhelmed. Being overwhelmed is part of what it means to be human, to be conscious and aware of the suffering that's around us, 
to be conscious and aware of how difficult things can be for our friends. Jesus asked them to stay, to keep watch. Jesus doesn't need a declaration of support. He doesn't need answers. Jesus does not need an uplifting message. He doesn't need spin. Jesus just needs his friends to stay and keep watch, to sit with him. Is this a big thing that Jesus is asking for his friends to stay up and to keep watch? You know, in most ways it isn't. It isn't a big deal to say, hey, come with me and just just sit here while I go over there. Be with me. In most ways, it's not a big ask, but if you need answers, if you can't handle the anxiety, if you need Jesus to be something that he isn't, if you are uncomfortable with just being there, this is really, really hard for us. This is really difficult. For some of us, sheltering in place is horrible and scary and uncomfortable. For some of us, just sitting still and keeping quiet is torture. But what if it isn't torture? What if sitting with Jesus, what if Jesus sitting with us is exactly what we need in this time? Look at verse 39, going a little farther. Now he's alone. He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Going a little farther, a little more isolated, a little more private, a little more alone. Jesus falls with his face to the ground. The face that had nothing that would draw us to it, the face of God, the face of humanity, face down in the dirt. And he prays, Father, if it's possible. Dad, if you can, if it's possible. Jesus was the first to really address the creator as a parent. And he invites us to do the same. But as we look at this text and as I look at what Jesus is saying, I think, I thought Jesus knew all the possibilities. I thought that he had considered all the angles. You know, there's a line of thought that with this passage just considers it a little community theater. That this is just Jesus in the garden winking at the camera. Just kidding, guys, it's going to be all okay. Does Jesus think it's all going to be okay? Now, you're free to disagree with me. And I want to know what you think about what the scriptures say and how you read it. Because that's the question that Jesus asks, is how do you read it? But he says, may this cup be taken from me. My cup, what, what cup? What cup is he asking to be taken? The cup of suffering, the cup of wrath, the cup of judgment, the cup of isolation, the cup of humiliation, the cup of all the dark, lonely, scary things and all the long years of the history of humanity. Take this cup from me. Jesus, on the eve of his death, on the eve of his suffering, prays that it wouldn't be so. That if it's possible, that something else would happen. And yes, he says, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, our savior, our brother, our friend. Paul in Philippians, he will say that the everything of Jesus the most of Jesus is the nothing of Jesus, that he made himself literally nothing, that he was obedient. Normally I would think of obedience as some heroic thing with fireworks and swelling music and swords, superhero powers. But here in the garden, in a garden 
where a garden was the place where it all started, in the place where our first parents thought what God wanted would never be enough. What God wants is enough for Jesus. God's will is enough for Jesus. Not enough for him not to be terrified, my friends. Not enough for him to ask, to not ask for it to pass. But it's enough. It's enough for Jesus. It's enough for Jesus to identify with God, to identify him as father, to identify him as good parent, to identify with the love of God, with the peace that passes all understanding, even the understanding of Jesus, and to say, not my will, but your will. In verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, he asked Peter, who claimed, I would rather die with you than abandon you. Our first parents are told not to eat from the tree. The bar is lowered to the, for the disciples, just don't fall asleep. Keep watch with me, they still miss. And he finds them sleeping. Jesus finds his friends sleeping. Why are they sleeping? My friends, I want you to think about this. This is Jesus' last night. He told them it was his last night. He told them that he's going to suffer and die, that he's going to be alone when it happens. Have you ever thought about this? The only reason, the only reason that the disciples could have been sleeping is if they didn't believe what Jesus said was going to happen. Because if you believed what Jesus said was going to happen was going to happen, how could you sleep that night? How could you sleep that night knowing that your friend is going to be murdered? Knowing that you're going to lose? But they're sleeping. If they thought that Jesus was going to die, they wouldn't have been able to stay awake because they would have been awake anyway. Peter, who said he would die for Jesus, can't stay awake for his friend in his hour of need. Look at verse 41, what Jesus says to his disciples, what he says to us. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The breath is willing. Your best self is willing, but the flesh is weak, he says. We're willing. The flesh is this Bible word for our temporal, fleeting, tricky, treacherous, minute-to-minute instincts and desires. And Jesus says, watch and pray. Watching ain't enough in the garden. You need to pray. With words and with silence, we need our connection with God to grow, to be strong. Our breath is willing. Our desires are weak and fleeting. So breathe. So watch. So pray. Jesus is not done praying. Look at verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Notice the movement. Notice that the first time that Jesus prays, he asked God to do it different. Do it differently than the way he knew that it was going to happen. We ask this all the time, right? God, make it different. God, if you could just, if you would please just step in and change it. Many times we never keep the conversation going beyond that. Often we don't get to the next prayer, the prayer that Jesus is praying right now. Because we pray, God, take it away, and it doesn't go away. Jesus' next prayer is not, forget it, I'm done. Jesus' next movement after praying, may this cup be taken and it not be taken, is not to just pack up and go home. 
His next prayer is, if this is the only way, if I have to do this, let's go. There's nothing here about Jesus wanting this, about him wanting to move forward. There's nothing magical about Jesus feeling better about what it is that he has to do. But we do find acceptance in the prayers of Jesus. If this is how it happens, we're together. If this is how it happens, I'm still your kid. Notice in verse 43, when he came back, he again, 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 and he finds them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Why does he pray the same thing? Why does he keep coming back? Notice that the third time he still prays, if this is the only way, I'll do it. If this is the only way. The loneliness, probably mostly the loneliness of them not believing, of his friends not believing, of thinking they have time some other time. When this is the last time, Jesus is all alone with God now. It doesn't take one time for Jesus to embrace what he has to do. It takes more than once. Do you think that you're going to reach acceptance on your first try? You know, some of us are beating ourselves up. That we've prayed and we've sought and it hasn't happened and we're frustrated and we think there's something wrong with us. If you're feeling lonely and isolated, if you're feeling afraid, you're in the company of Jesus. Some of us stop the conversation. Jesus keeps the conversation going till it gets to acceptance. Verse 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, get up, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. It's time, this is it. You needed to keep watch with Jesus and you missed. The desertion of the disciples in Jesus' hour of need doesn't change what Jesus does one bit. Doesn't change his identity. And Jesus comes to his friends and says, let's go. It's time. This is the time. Let's go. I want to share with you two other verses this morning. And these are verses that come right after Jesus is confronted and it's during his arrest. And he's going to be arrested and Peter does Peter things and he pulls out his sword and he attacks the soldiers who are arresting Jesus. And Jesus tells Peter to put away his sword, a sword he put, should have put away a long, a long time ago. And then Jesus says this thing and I love, I love what he says here. I love what it says about his heart and what it says about our time in God's word today. And I hope you can hear from him as we kind of wrap up our time in God's word. It says this in verse 53, still in Matthew 26. He says, do you not, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then will the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, is in the garden of Gethsemane, his fortress of solitude, asking God to take this cup away. 
And when it's not taken away, and when he accepts the path that's laid out before him, he still invites us to consider that he's got an army at his disposal. That if Jesus, forget about if God wanted to stop it. If Jesus wanted to stop it, he could have stopped it. He could have prayed a different prayer, but he doesn't. Why? Why? Why this acceptance? Why this love? Well, my friends, I want to encourage you wherever you're listening to this and however you're listening to this, that whatever you're feeling and whatever you're going through, Christ has been there. He's gone through it. And he's going through it with us now. So I just want to invite you that as we head to our own prayer and reflection time to consider the ways that you're facing the darkness and the ways that Jesus is with you. Because he's with us, friends. So let's pray. Let's seek him together. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes once again. Breathe. Feel your breath. That breath that you didn't earn. That breath that itself is grace. I want you to just take some time. Take some time to consider. How are you facing the darkness right now? How are you experiencing loneliness, frustration, isolation, fear? scriptures tell us that there's nothing that we've been through that Jesus hasn't been through. So as you consider what you're going through, I want you to think of Jesus' words to his friends. Sit with me. Be with me. Keep watch. Pray. Because Jesus is right here with us sitting with us, empowering us to take our next step. So what's your next step? For a moment, just in the quietness of your heart, consider Christ with you in your next step. Father, all of us are going through this time and feeling different things. And I want to lift up my friends to you that however they're feeling, 
there's this temptation to stuff it, to tamp it down, to think that it's wrong, to be afraid, to be scared, to be angry, to be frustrated. Father, would you give us an image of Jesus in the garden feeling what we feel, understanding our condition intimately and with us. Father, as we breathe, as we even feel our breath in our chest right now, we remember that Jesus promised us the comforter, the spirit, to guide us and to guard us, to grow up in us fruit, that in whatever time we find ourselves, that his peace and his presence empowers us to be your people. So Father, I pray that whatever our next steps look like, God, that they would be steps of love, steps of peace, steps where we show and tell the good news that your son Jesus, that the night he was betrayed, that when he faces death and suffering, he does it with acceptance and love so we can do the things that you have given us to do with acceptance and with love. Help us to be good friends. Help us to be kind neighbors. Help us to be healthy parents and spouses. Help us to work hard to share this life and this love that we've been given. God, we thank you for walking with us through every valley, on every mountaintop, anywhere where we find ourselves, we find ourselves with you. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for your presence. Be with us. Strengthen us. Empower us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. It's for his kingdom's sake that we pray it. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today on Facebook Live. Uh, we will post something in the comments about giving. If you're giving as part of your time with God, you can do that online. We love you so much. Oh, I see happy birthday, Heidi. It's Heidi Conley's birthday today. Happy birthday, Heidi. Uh, just want to reiterate that. You all have a great day and a great week, and we'll see you next time.